Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO at Employee Cycle. And you know us, we're that HR analytics dashboard that automatically connects to your HRIS and ATS and other HR systems to pull all your data into one real-time, beautiful, centralized HR analytics dashboard where you can view, share, track, and analyze all that data together. That's right. We've heard all of you HR leaders being frustrated with pulling spreadsheets from a lot of different systems trying to get a data-driven view of the workforce and dealing with manual, tedious, time-consuming spreadsheets that's always asking you why is there not a better way. Well, look no further. That's why we created Employee Cycle, your very own HR analytics dashboard that gives you out-of-the-box dashboards. You can build custom metrics, and we also help you with some data quality to make sure you're looking at the most complete employee records possible. Go to EmployeeCycle.com, check us out. We'd love to give you a demo so we could explore how we could partner to help you automate your HR reporting and analytics process. But that's enough about me and our company, because today we have an awesome guest. So please help me welcome to the show, Julie Devlin. She's the Senior Partner and HCM Advisory at UKG on the Human Insights team. And today we're discussing why retention is your best hiring strategy. Julie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Woo! Julie! Welcome! gosh. Can you do that every time I walk into the room, Bruce? No. Um, sure. For 99 cents <laughs> yeah, per time, right? I will do that. Every room, every Zoom room, we can do it. Thank you for that uh, warm welcome. And I'm very, very happy to be here today. Um, gosh, I, I think about everything that you say about employee cycle and all the capabilities and everything. And I'm like, wow, when I was an HR practitioner, I, I wish I had it. <laughs> it just sounds like like such a, a useful a useful tool for, for uh, the, the ever-changing world of work today. Awesome. And we really appreciate you saying that. But Julie, we're going to kick this thing off the best way we know how. And that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? I love that question. I get that question a lot. And I, I, that's actually an interesting story. So I, well, interesting to me, maybe I was an English major in undergrad and I graduated or I was about to graduate and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and I, I said to my dad, what, you know, what do you think I should do? And, and he said, well, you should just go right and get a master's degree. I said, all right, well, I don't even know what to get a master's degree in really. Cause with English, I mean, you take a lot of communication courses, a lot of writing, um, and that kind of thing. But uh, in terms of business and whatnot, you know, I wasn't really, uh, well-versed in that. Um, so my dad said, well, you know, all companies need people. So, and we'll always have people. So you should go into human resources. I said, what's human resources? And then we still ask ourselves that question today. Right. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I said, what's, what's HR? No. And, and, uh, so anyway, so I enrolled in an HR master's program, uh, where at McDaniel college, um, where, where I graduated from undergrad and the rest is sort of history. I got a an internship in an HR department working for a commercial staffing company that, uh, that staffed airlines. So that gave me a lot of insight into the corporate world and 
then I got uh, a couple of odd jobs here and there, and then uh, I was able to land a director of HR position uh, at an organization where I stayed for over 17 years um, as the VP of, a VP of HR towards the end. So it's uh, that's how I got into HR. And when I was younger, I was asked to teach a graduate course in HR. Um, and uh, that's how I got into HR teaching as well. Um, I said, I can't do this. They said, yes, you can. I said, all right. <laughs> so <laughs> here, I, here I am still a HR professor. So that's awesome. And we are so glad that you chose to stay in HR and the HR community is so much better for it. Thank you. So really appreciate that origin story. It's always interesting to see how people like yourself got into the space. So Julie, today we're talking about why, why retention is your best hiring strategy. We have so many people talking about the great resignation, quiet quitting. So many companies are having a difficult time trying to keep people. There's a lot of stuff going on with compensation, inflation. There's just a lot of stuff going on right now. And HR leaders are stressed out. Companies are trying to figure out what's going on. Nobody really knows what's going on. Everybody's trying to do the best that they can do. So I think this topic is super timely but I know in, in preparation for this, you have some thoughts around why people are focusing so much on hiring, but retention seems to be a better place to focus. So I'm curious, can you can you provide some some of your perspective on what you think about this whole retention versus hiring? And then we can really dig into it to see if there's anything actionable our audience can take from it. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't, I don't want it to seem like what I'm about to say uh, minimizes the fact that so many of us need to hire. I completely understand that where, you know, in, in thinking about 2023 and, and beyond and the, the, the landscape of the workplace, I think about, yes, all, uh, so many of us are hiring. Whenever I'm, um, I, I have the good fortune of speaking for UKG and I, I'm fortunate enough to be in front of HR professionals often speaking about HR topics. I always ask the question, how many of you are hiring? And usually I'd say about 85% of the room raise their hands. So hiring is absolutely still a, a, a need. There are still labor shortages, skill shortages, et cetera. But here's the thing about it, Bruce. We've been talking about this and the need to hire for a very long time. My fear is that we have neglected, in a way, uh, the conversation surrounding retention. Now, this is what I mean by that is the employees that we currently have, if we were to lose them, that's only going to exacerbate our hiring problem. We're going to need to fill those positions as well. So the question becomes, how do we give equal attention to, yes, the need to hire, but also the need to retain our good employees and not just retain them, uh, to, to help them grow, uh, to help them uh, learn. And then, you know, in, in in return, you get more productivity for your business. So I think it's really, really a, a win-win situation. I, I, I was mentioning uh, earlier to you, Bruce, about employee engagement. You know, so many companies, they, they focus heavily on assuring employee engagement. So we need to make sure our employees are engaged. Okay. But I think we need to shift that narrative a little bit. And I think we need to talk about how basically go from assuring engagement to improving engagement and recognizing that engagement, employee engagement is not something that you can snap your fingers and be done with. <laughs> so I may be getting ahead of the game here, um, but that's basically the premise of, of where I think we need to move a little bit more towards in 2023. That's interesting. There's two main points that I think came out of what you were just saying. 
know, as a proud Eagles fan, I know you you go deep in your football. Yeah. So it almost sounds like on one hand, companies need to start thinking about the mantra that defense is your best offense. Yeah. And then on the other hand, it sounds like from an engagement standpoint, it's really this concept and mindset of don't make things a a moment, but really make them something that you care about over time. And so it's really that commitment of staying true to whatever this thing is, whether it's retention or engagement. So I want to stick on, I want to talk about one of the things you were talking about in regards to how this might impact existing employees as you're currently working on hiring, but not necessarily putting as much focus or emphasis on the existing employees. What are some of the negative implications that can happen from just hyper-focusing on hiring, but not necessarily focusing on retention and basically what you already have, which is your existing workforce? Yeah, the the biggest negative, I think, obviously, is, is burnout and lack of productivity, because what happens when you're short-staffed is that your current employees take on more of a burden. Uh, they have more work to do. Uh, they may be doing work outside the scope of their position, because perhaps you as the manager uh, or, or, you know, the people leaders don't have the capacity to perform some of the work that needs to be done because you are busy, you know, trying to hire and that kind of thing. So I think that's uh, absolutely the, the, the first thing. I mean, if we ask employees to do more, I think we need to show them more in terms of how we uh, appreciate them for that. You know, there, there, of course, there is being a team player and, you know, we want employees to be good organizational citizens and pick up the slack, if you will, um, when, when there is work to be done. But I think, I, I think that sometimes we as managers, it's not that we don't recognize that they're working hard. It's that we don't show it in the right way. For example, I actually just had this conversation with a, a middle manager at an organization, uh, two days ago, um, about, you know, just thanking employees and how to do that. She says, well, I do say thank you. I said, okay, well, think about something that might be a little bit even more impactful than just a simple thank you. You know, I said, when's the last time you got a handwritten note? I asked her and she's like, I can't even remember. I said, think about something as simple as that. Just writing someone a note and saying, thank you so much for what you're doing. You know, there's been studies shown, there's been studies that have shown that a thank you is equally as impactful as money uh, for, if not more sometimes, uh, for employees. So I think from that realm, uh, it's, it's important. And, you know, the negatives, um, I think we also need to look at in terms of our current employees, when we have the need to hire, there are times where we as HR professionals or people managers, (laughs) where we hold folks back from promoting them because we don't know how we're going to fill their position. But that is really not a good strategy um, because what you're doing is you're stifling the career growth of your current employees. You're not allowing them to grow and expand their role. uh, And then they're going to go somewhere else where they can learn and, and grow, if that makes sense. So 
you know, you, you may see, uh, you may see these negative behaviors, um, if, if you're really short staffed. And, you know, a lot of this too is dependent upon industry. There are certain industries that are, uh, much more short staffed than others. Um, but I think just in general, uh, really looking at employee engagement and making sure that we're focusing on that, uh, the, our current employees all the while recognizing the need to, acquire good employees, um, you know, when you're hiring, um, that's the way, that's definitely the way to go. I think that, you know, the other thing that we can look at is our current employees can be some of our best recruiters if we allow them to, meaning if we provide them a good experience, they're going to tell their friends about the experience that they're having at your organization. And they're going to say, Hey, come work for XYZ company. This is what they do for me. This is how they help me grow in my career. I see a future at this company. So looking at our current employees, um, in, in a little bit of a different way, I think is uh, pretty impactful. That part about the handwritten note is so clutch. People don't do it anymore. It's, yeah, it's that's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's so simple. You know, I, I'm guilty of it. I don't write, I don't handwrite notes anymore either. Um, but, but think about, think about the last time. Think about when you get a, you know, a postcard or a little post-it note from someone or, you know, it, it makes you feel good. And it's something oddly that's memorable. If you, if I send you an e-card or something, yeah, you're going to remember that for that split second. But if, if I send you a thank you card, you may put that on your desk. You know, you may put that in a drawer and come back to it when you need to pick me up. It's something, it, again, it's not something that is, takes a long time, but it shows that you're being thoughtful enough to really think about the words that you're, that you're, uh, that you're writing to that person enough that they're permanently written down. And I think there's a part of our psyche that we're, that really appeals to us, uh, from an appreciation standpoint. That's awesome. Another thing that you mentioned was around how employers will look at their team and their workforce and not necessarily promote them because they're only looking at external resources and people to fill in these roles where they might actually be able to promote within. Do you think that's a symptom of the culture of an organization? Do you think HR should be responsible for trying to figure that out? Is that more on the leadership level? Is that from the CEO and top down? <laughs> yes. <laughs> is, it, is it all of them? Is it yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yes, I all think... of the above? <laughs> what does this look like? And, and how, from an actionable standpoint, for anyone's listening, that's yeah. saying, wow, my company might be doing that. How do you even start to diagnose if you're doing that? And if you do find and identify that that's happening, what do you do about it? Yeah. So that's a great question. I think so many people obtained new skills when the world was shut down. We may not even know some of the skills that our employees have, and they may be, may be able to fill positions that we currently have a need for. For example, just hypothetically, let's say you have someone working in, I don't know, uh, sales at an organization and you have a need for a social media manager, just hypothetically, right? Maybe somebody knows how to design web pages. Um, you know, 
the question becomes, how do we find out if our employees have the skills, some of the skills that we need in order to move our business forward? And the answer to that is so incredibly simple. It's that we ask them. So by asking them, what I mean is I think that this does fall on management but it also falls on HR to help managers identify the skills um, and help them to craft conversations where it can help determine whether or not that person does have the skills that are needed. So, you know, one of the ways to do that uh, is by tracking it in, you know, your HR software, for example, you know, having those one-on-one conversations, maybe putting a note in there, oh, so-and-so has this, you know, skill could be useful in the future or something like that. Um, I I think that uh, we may have an, again, an untapped uh, talent pool that we're just not looking towards because, the day-to-day in HR and in management is so cumbersome that sometimes we forget to do these simple things or we, or we say we're going to do them, but we, we put them off <laughs> for a rainy day. Uh, so I think, I think having one-on-one conversations um, on a regular cadence is really, really important. When it comes to this entire retention strategy and really figuring out how to identify where do you have a leaky bucket and also, where are the biggest holes in your retention gap? We typically find from a data standpoint, because that's our lens as a HR analytics platform, that HR leaders are always looking for trends. They're always looking for comps. They're always looking for benchmarks to understand if they're higher or lower, better or worse than other companies in their industry, in their, ge- in their geography, in their headcount size. But... Because you do so much thought leadership and you're always using so much data and looking at trends and research, I'm curious, is that the best way to think about where your turnover should be or where your retention should be? Should it be something that's more internal and organic just from your business or does it always, is it always relative to what everybody else is doing? Um, I think, again, our, the best answer in HR, one of my mentors uh, used to always say, it depends, right? Um, it, it, it sort of does depend. I think that um, looking at competitors uh, and their retention rates, et cetera, I think that is absolutely useful. But if you're losing employees and you're losing employees maybe quicker than normal, or if you're uh, losing a certain employee that's doing a certain job. I mean, that's a different conversation. That's one where you need to make sure that you have the data to, uh, to really show you, you know, what's going on. I think that, uh, a lot of times you'll have people who are under the same manager leave. (laughs) And that is absolutely an, obviously an internal thing. So, you know, it could skew your retention numbers, uh, in that way, but looking at, uh, benchmarking from outside and making sure that, you know, you're at least somewhere near, uh, the industry standard or the industry norm uh, at the time for retention, I think is a useful, useful way to look. When you see most HR leaders that you talk to trying to put together some type of retention strategy, Where are the holes and gaps or blind spots that you believe most HR leaders or organizations in general are overlooking? Lack of communication with the managers who are the ones that come in contact with employees on a day-to-day basis and lack of communication with them at every step of the way. I believe that managers should be involved in crafting the strategy. They're the ones who are on the front line 
with the, with the employees. They're the ones who are seeing things that we as HR leaders oftentimes don't see. Uh, so I think that's the biggest, biggest, uh, biggest gap. And I think that HR also, um, needs to, uh, train managers a little bit more, um, on the nuances of what employee engagement looks like in a post pandemic world. I think that <laughs> I could go on and on about this. <laughs> um, but you know, there, there's just a lot, but I think it starts there. I think managers can be, should be HR's best friend and not their worst nightmare. And I think oftentimes, you know, when I'm, when I'm having conversations with HR, well, how do I get my managers, you know, to buy in? And the, the answer there that I have is we should include them, include them in decisions that are going to affect them. Not that they can, not that they make the decision themselves, but just being part of a conversation and recognizing that their input is important, uh, can really help, uh, can go a long way. What does that training look like in practice in regards to helping a manager better understand how to retain their team? Yeah. I mean, I've seen HR departments do uh, several things, uh, you know, once a quarter, uh, you know, uh, in-service days, right? Like training days or even half days where they'll bring somebody in to have a conversation surrounding whatever topic is top of mind or important to the managers. Um, but just as, just like we ask our managers to review their employees by having sit down conversations and by having one-on-ones, I think we should have one-on-ones also uh, with managers uh, to really keep that line of communication open and keep it open from, you know, the beginning. You know, I think that uh, HR oftentimes (laughs) we're not seen uh, as, I don't know what the word is, but we're not given a great rap in the media, (laughs) you know? Um, So it's like, oh, there's HR. But I think HR can really up uh, their value in organizations by providing those learning and development opportunities on an ongoing basis. And also, uh, you know, asking managers what it is that they're, they feel like they want to learn by not force feeding training, sometimes by saying, Hey, here's three different trainings. You know, which one would you want to take or which one do you think would be most impactful for you? Uh, recognizing that the manager experience, um, is just it managers are employees too. Um, and their experience matters too. So from a learning perspective, just giving them uh, the tools that they need to, continuously, um, you know, improve in their, their people management skills. Retention is such a big, sometimes scary and definitely overwhelming broad topic for so many HR leaders and companies. And we've covered a lot here. If there was one thing that you would want our HR audience to remember, especially for someone who's trying to figure out where do I even start this process? What would that one thing be? Use your network. Use your network. Talk to other people in the industry. Innovate with them. Find out what they're doing uh, to help their retention. I think that now that the world has opened up again and we have the opportunity for things like conferences, um, I'm seeing more and more individuals really lean into the fact that they're able to have these conversations again with their peers. So uh, definitely get involved and be involved in the conversation, uh, even if it's online. So, you know, you can, you can pick up sort of tips and tricks from other HR professionals as well. Um, because retention is, you know, obviously a huge topic, very broad topic and very nuanced in some ways. Again, depending on industry, size of the company, other red tape kind of, uh, things. But 
but there are some common themes that run through, uh, you know, how to, how to retain employees uh, better. And Julie, here's my last question, which is also a selfish question. <laughs> you've been, <laughs> you've been on hundreds of podcasts and interviews and thought leadership panels. You've been all around the world speaking, dropping knowledge and wisdom bombs on <laughs> HR for everyone. But I'm curious. And this is this is where I'm trying to get my exclusive scoop here. Mm-hmm. What is the one question that you wish you would have been asked that no one's ever asked you? That you're always saying, man, I really wish I could talk about this, but no one just seems to ask me about this. HR-wise? In general. What do you wish somebody asked you about? Oh, my gosh. Well, the easy answer there is tell me, talk to me about the Philadelphia Phillies because they're my obsession. But uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, that's a, that's a that's a, quite a question, Bruce. I don't know. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. I think if if I'm taking an HR spin on this, I think that sometimes we forget some of this can be simpler than we make it. For example, the things that I said today. They're not, they're not terribly difficult to do, like having conversations or doing handwritten notes, but, but sometimes we get so caught up in our day to day that we forget to do the simple things and we forget, you know, the sort of the rules of, of, of engagement, if you will. But yeah, I mean, in terms of a question, um, I really, I don't know. That's hard to answer. It's all good. It's all good. I appreciate you putting up with my random questions here <laughs> on the fly with no prep before. This is awesome. <laughs> Julie, thank you so much for being such an awesome podcast guest on the show. You influence so many people in the space. And so it was just an honor and a pleasure of having you here, dropping all this wisdom and really sharing all of your experience and knowledge with our audience. So thank you so much. Woo! Go Julie! Thank, thank you. And Hey, check out, check out my podcast too, the People Purpose Podcast. My colleague Chaz Fields and I, uh, we talk about HR as well. So, Got it. That's something that we'll have to say five times fast to see if we can get it right. People Purpose Podcast. <laughs> People Purpose Podcast, yeah. We decided to make it as difficult as possible. We make it as difficult as possible, yeah. <laughs> So that's definitely one of the ways people can find you. But what are the other ways that people can find you and UKG online? Yeah, UKG.com, also WorkforceInstitute.org. And that is UKG's research arm, which is separate from our sales organization. And the uh, research on employment trends and uh, just, just lots of different pieces of of knowledge, uh, that you can utilize, uh, on that site for, for free. So, and yeah, LinkedIn, Julie Devlin, uh, D E V E L I N be happy to connect with anybody. Awesome. And we'll be sure to include all of that contact info in the show notes. So for all you listeners out there, if you enjoyed this episode as much as Julie and I did making it, then please leave us a good rating because it shows that you care and that we're doing a good job and providing great content. Also, If this is your very first time listening to our podcast and you either came here because you're already a huge super fan of Julie and you just had to hear what she was going to say, or you thought that the topic was super compelling, but now you're hungry for more Employee Cycle episodes, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.